are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We've got to talk a little bit more about LeBron James and the number 38, how prevalent it was in his record-breaking performance the other night. This is kind of spooky. I think we might be living in a simulation after reading all this stuff. I've got more thoughts on Kyrie Irving. He did play his first game as a Dallas Maverick yesterday. They won on the road against the Clippers. He had 24 points. Everybody's jumping up and down. We all love this. I've still got major problems about this. Also, we're going to talk a little bit more Super Bowl. We're only, what, four days away? This Sunday. My gosh, it kind of snuck up on us. Nobody's been talking Super Bowl seemingly for uh, for a while now. It just seems like with this two-week layoff, jeesh. And then um, I'm going to answer an email that somebody uh, – sent me, and I was like, maybe we could take emails sometimes for the Sports Daily and uh, maybe hit on a little more NBA after that as the trade deadline is approaching. And the Lakers actually improved their roster yesterday, addition by subtraction. Probably the best way to put it. And we'll get to that momentarily. All right, let's get going. I know yesterday was all about LeBron James. And I want to start out with this just because this is kind of spooky and this is so, so weird. I'm sure you saw this floating around on social media. Maybe you didn't, but this is just bizarre. Okay. So we know that LeBron broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record two nights ago against the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is, (laughs) I still can't believe this. So April 5th, 1984. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar set that record. 38 weeks later, LeBron James was born. He was born December 30th, 1984. 38 years later, LeBron James broke Kareem's scoring record. And you know what the total points is that LeBron is at? 38,000 388. So 38, 38, 8. He also did it on the 38th day of the year. (laughs) And how many points did he score in the game? Tuesday night? 38. (laughs) This is this is way too weird. Like something's gonna happen. I, I is is it going to start raining cats and dogs or so? I, this is so bizarre. Look at that. Kareem sets the record, and then thirty eight weeks later, LeBron is born. Thirty eight years after he's born, he breaks Kareem's record. The total points that he's at right now to break it was thirty eight thousand three hundred eighty eight. He scored 38 points in the game, and it was in the 38th day of this year. I don't even know what. <laughs> uh, what is the whole Mercury retro- retrograde thing? Would that would that be something you would say to this? I whatever. If it's not, then this is just so fucking weird. I'm almost scared to walk outside. <laughs> Like, what are, what are the odds? What are the odds of that happening? One in gazillion, bazillion? Are those even numbers? I don't even know. One in infinity? I mean, it happened, so clearly it... <laughs> I, I That is... That's some really spooky stuff, I tell you. 
Um, so Kyrie Irving played his first game as a Dallas Maverick last night. They beat the Clippers 110-104. Kyrie had 24 points. Luka didn't even play. The team looked energized, which is what they needed. They were going nowhere this season. They needed a shot in the arm. They got it. They got Kyrie. How long this lasts? Can a, can a shot in the arm last the rest of the season? I don't know. Last a few games? We don't know. We have to watch this play out. There's no definitive answer one game in. What did I tell you was going to happen? We're going to have games the rest of this season where Kyrie and Luka look like the greatest backcourt ever put together in NBA history. But my issue has been the reason that the Mavericks got to the Western Conference Finals last year was because they were a top 10 defense in the NBA. They're currently sitting at 26th in total defense in the NBA this year. And with the trade to get Kyrie, they traded away their best defensive player in Dorian Finney-Smith. And Kyrie doesn't play a lick of defense. So... While it may be fun in games for the last couple months of the season and they outscore teams and win 140 to 137, that's great. But everybody knows when you get into a playoff series, if you don't have a top 10 defense, you're not winning the NBA championship. Mavericks aren't winning the NBA championship this year, period. End of story. It's not happening. Maybe they get to the Western Conference Finals again and you know get to the same point they did last year, but they don't play enough defense to make any sort of noise in a playoff series, because like we said, when you play a team once after, you know, however many games you play during the season, and this was game, you know, whatever, 52, 53 for the Clippers, and Clippers had a game the other night, and they have a game in a couple days or whatever, it's just like you don't have the scouting, you don't need to figure out, okay, how are we going to play the Mavericks tonight? What are we going to do here? When you play the same team in a seven-game series every time for seven straight games, Everybody knows everybody's plays. You're dialed in. You know exactly what you have to do. It's much, much harder, which is why you don't see a lot of seven or eight seeds just marching their way to the NBA Finals and pulling off a bunch of upsets. The team with the most talent usually wins out in the NBA. It's probably the sport where we have the least amount of upsets in terms of teams winning the whole thing. Baseball, we get it all the time. Wildcard teams win the... World Series all the time. We've seen it in the NFL where teams come out of nowhere. The Philadelphia Eagles, you know, were 9-8 and eight last year in a first-round exit, and now they're, uh, you know, 60 minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. It happens all the time. Basketball, very rarely does a team win the NBA championship that just got hot. It just doesn't happen. College basketball, yes, the team, the most talented teams usually get to the Final Four and whatnot, but, yeah, it um, in the NBA Finals, the most talented teams usually end up winning out and the Mavericks just don't play enough defense. I've watched it enough this year. It's they don't care about playing defense, but with Kyrie and Luca on the floor, are they going to be able to put up points? You bet your ass they will. And they'll be exciting to watch, but come playoff time when a team focuses on them for a full two weeks straight and it, it you know, and Dallas is still going to win some games just because Luca and Kyrie are that good offensively. But over a seven-game series against some of the better teams in the West, you know, maybe they get to the second round. I don't think they're a Western Conference final team this year. But anyway, I did want to talk about Kyrie because, like I said, I this is what I expect. There's going to be a love fest for at least the first month or two. Um, and if it's not, that's even then it's even worse of a trade. But, you know, I, I think with Kyrie, he's <laughs> he he's a guy that when, when he talked about in the press conference – his first press conference as a Dallas Maverick, he was talking about, he said, I, I work extremely hard at what I do. No one ever talks about my work ethic, though. Everyone talks about what I'm doing off the floor, so I just want to change that narrative. Well, okay, Kyrie, just stop there. 
Why do you think they talk about what you do off the floor? It's because you give them a reason to. Kyrie, did you realize, I mean, obviously he realizes this, and I hope NBA fans realize this as well when I talk about one of the most selfish men in America, in in, in, in the NBA, I mean, sorry, in, why I said America, but in the NBA, you know, this is a guy that New York City had a workplace vaccine mandate. And they said, if you're not vaccinated, you cannot go to work. Kyrie decided to, and look, everyone's got their own ideals when it comes to the vaccine. And you don't have to take it. But when the city has a mandate in place and says, you can't play a home game because you're not vaccinated. And he's just like, okay, I just won't get vaccinated. I'll just sit out the home games. That does take a lot, a, a, a pretty big level of selfishness to do that. But he did that in the 2021-22 season. Just decided, yeah, I'm very well aware New York has a workplace vaccine mandate. <clears throat> I don't care. I'm not playing home games. That's what I mean. If he was really all about the team, you think he would do it. There were people in the NBA that probably didn't want to get it, but did it because they knew about, well, when we play New York, I wouldn't be able to play. Because I'm not vaccinated. Yeah, we can go back. I don't want I don't want this to be vaccine talk, but that's the example that I'm talking about. You know? He's taken time off just because he needed time. I needed personal space. It's just he's he's in his own world. He does his own thing. He doesn't believe in dinosaurs. He he believes the earth is flat. He has said this in interviews. Like he just marches to the beat of his own drum. And you could say, like, well, what does that have to do with basketball? Well, it doesn't. But he's not a great teammate, and he never has been. He's blown up every single place he went to. Blew out of Cleveland, quit on Boston, basically quit on Brooklyn and said, get me out of here. So if you honestly think that Dallas is going to be the place that he settles in for the rest of his career, you're crazy. But in the short term, can they put up a shit ton of points and be entertaining to watch? Yes. But I think we all know how this is ending. We just do. The NBA trade deadline is about a week away. And yesterday, Los Angeles Lakers, wow. <laughs> a day after I say this team is crap, they really went out and improved themselves yesterday. Now, did they get a superstar? No. But when you pick up D'Angelo Russell from the Timberwolves and Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt from the Utah Jazz, that is a good pickup, especially when you only gave up your 2027 first-round pick and you got rid of the albatross that was Russell Westbrook because he just did not fit in, and everybody's known that for the last year and a half. He just never fit in with the Lakers, and they've been looking to get him out of there since last year. So, you know, a starting five of D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and then... Who would the other forward be? Oh, Rui Hachimura that they just got from the Washington Wizards? That is not a bad starting five. Now, you know, this is a team that currently, as I pull up the standings here in the NBA, this is a team that's currently sitting at 13th place in the Western Conference, five games under 500. So they played 55 games. There's only 82 in the season. They've got 27 games left. They are only two games out of, of being in the play-in game. There's two gate. They're two games out of the ten seed, and they are three and a half games out of the seven seed. 
four and a half out of the out of the fourth seed. Like the West is so bundled up because even after tonight, after you got your 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 top three, Denver's twenty one games over five hundred. Memphis is twelve. The Kings are eight. And then Mavericks are four over five hundred. Phoenix is four over five hundred. Clippers four over five hundred. Pelicans two over. Timberwolves two over. Warriors one over. Portland one under. Jazz two under. And they're trading away assets. The Thunder two under. Lakers five under. The Lakers can get there. Twenty-seven games left. They're twenty-five and thirty. They probably need to go. Well, shit, if they go 17 and 10, they'll be 42 and 40. And I think that would be that would finish in the top 10. But, you know, that play in game stuff, you know, depending on where you are, they might. You certainly don't want to meet the Lakers in a one game series, especially if this works out with these players they just picked up. But ultimately, you want to get to the sixth seed. And right now they are uh, four and a half games out of the sixth seed because then you don't have to worry about any sort of play in game. Could they get there? Sure. But. They'd be have they'd finish the season forty two and forty if they go seventeen and ten the rest of the way. The Clippers are four games over five hundred right now at thirty one and twenty seven. So we don't know. There's still a lot of basketball to be played. The season is two months left, twenty seven games for most people, most teams, and it. I think this Laker team is vastly improved. Is it an NBA championship team? No. I just think they just don't have enough time to gel. But going into next season. I think if they keep these guys and even make another move, uh, they could definitely be a top four team in the Western Conference and at least compete for an NBA title. Because since they've had LeBron, let's face it, outside of the bubble season where they won the championship, they haven't done anything. I mean, they've been terrible. And you're wasting away the guy's career right now at 38 years old and playing at the level that he is. And they finally went out and did something. I mean, everyone's been waiting for the Lakers to do something and put a better team around LeBron. And right now, this is probably the best cast that he's had. But you got two months to make it gel, and it's just not going to click right away. You know, LeBron's not the easiest guy to play with. Anthony Davis, not the easiest guy to play with. You got to learn how to play around those guys. And the guys that they picked up, I mean, D'Angelo Russell averaged 17 points a game for the Timberwolves. And Malik Beasley averaged, I think, 13 and a half for the Jazz. Jared Vanderbilt, very good defender off the bench, averages close to 10 points a game. Rui Hachimura is, you know, an 8 to 10 point guy. I mean, they went out and got basically 50 points of offense that those guys averaged on those teams. Doesn't mean they're going to bring in 50 points a night on the Lakers because they have to give up shots to LeBron and AD. But much, much better team. And like I said at the beginning, this is addition by subtraction. You automatically get better once you ship Russell Westbrook away because he's just not any good anymore. He sucks. Well, I shouldn't say he sucks. He plays his ass off. I give him that. He There's nobody in the NBA that plays harder night in and night out, but he just doesn't have the skills anymore, and the way the game is played right now, if you can't shoot outside of 15 feet, you are a liability, and he can't. He's a horrible three-point shooter. He's one of the worst three-point shooters in the history of the NBA with – you know, a minimum of X amount of three-point attempts. It's one of the worst. He's under 30% for his career, yet he keeps taking them all every game, and it's just infuriating. So he's gone. He's not the Lakers' headache anymore. Thank God. I think they're going to be better. You know, maybe they – what if they go 30 and – what if they go 30 and 12 the rest of the way? Wait, no, that's 40. What am I talking about? 42 games. Yeah, 42 games. No, they don't have 42 games. They got 25 games left. What am I talking about? <laughs> What if they go um, 
Well, the Lakers, are, they've played 55. So, yeah, they've got 27 games left. So what if they go, uh, I mean, I mean, 20 and 7. Put it this way. If they go 20 and 7 the rest of the way, uh, they're, they're a top six team in the Western Conference. They don't have to worry about a play-in game. But they're probably not going 20 and 7. But 18 and 9? You know? Like I said, 17 and 10, 18 and 9, they have to minimum they have to go 17 and 10. They got to get to they got to get to over 500 and I think they're at least in the play play in game and then see what they do from there. And as I talk about that Laker trade, I look at my phone and see that the Phoenix Suns have pulled this one off. The Phoenix Suns late late Wednesday night acquiring Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, four first round picks an additional draft compensation. I need some time to let this marinate a little bit more. And, but this I'm telling you right now is putting the Suns at one of the best teams in the West. Yet again, a starting lineup of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Deandre Ayton. I mean, you could throw me in as the fifth starter. And this team is now back to being a major contender in the West. I need to think about this trade a little bit more, and I'll talk about it more tomorrow because it just came over on my phone. But, yeah, that's a big deal for the Phoenix Suns. All right, a few things to talk about as we head towards the Super Bowl on Sunday. Eagles and Chiefs, Super Bowl number 57. The line really hasn't moved uh, since it moved initially. When it first posted after the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Bengals, it was Chiefs minus three. Then it went all the way to Philadelphia minus one. Then it went to Philadelphia minus two and a half, and it's dropped back down to Philadelphia minus one and a half. So they are one and a half point favorites. The over-under is 51. A lot of money seems to be coming in on the over. People seem to think this will be a high-scoring game, and total points will be over 51. I'm not really keen on the over-under on this game. I just I don't have much of a read. You know, it's funny because the first – weekend in wildcard weekend of the playoffs this year all six games went over and then in the divisional round all four games went under and then last week in the championship games both of those went under so you had six straight overs to start the playoffs and now we've had six straight unders since so i you know again flip a coin on on over under and you probably flip a coin on the game too because it's just you can talk about this game till you're blue in the face and you're not going to really get anywhere but one thing that i did talk about yesterday in regards to the Eagles, like what is the best unit on the field? Kansas City's offense versus Philly's defense, pass offense versus their pass defense, Kansas City's rush offense versus the Eagles' run defense, Eagles' pass offense versus the Kansas City pass defense, or the Eagles' rush offense versus Casey's rush defense. And I would easily say the biggest mismatch in the game is the Eagles' rush offense versus the Kansas City run defense. And when the e if in the Super Bowl, if you t- if you break down the Super Bowl numbers, the team that rushed for more yards in the game is forty one and fourteen. They've won the Super Bowl forty one times and lost fourteen. I think there was one where the rushing yards were even, so that equals the fifty six games. But forty one and fourteen. So more often than not, if you outrush your opponent in the Super Bowl, you're going to win the game. Every time the Eagles have outrushed their opponents this year in games. They're 14-0. So I think it's safe to say, you know, it's not a guarantee, but it's safe to say if the Eagles outrush the Chiefs on Sunday, 
there's a good chance they're winning this game. The numbers bear it out. They've never lost a game this season outrushing their opponent. And the leading rusher in the Super Bowl is 41-14 and 14 overall. The other thing that the Eagles, I think, have over the Kansas City Chiefs, if you're looking for prop bet stuff that you might want to look into, you know, there's so many prop bets on this game, which is all those, you know, funny side bets you can make. I don't know what the odds are, but there is a bet out there that you can make. Will a fourth down conversion be made? Well, the Eagles are one of the best fourth down conversion teams in all of the NFL. They go for it all the time. So it's I, I'm, I'm sure to bet yes on that, you have to lay some money. Um, but here's an interesting stat in regards to the Eagles and going for it on fourth down. On Eagles drives where they went for it on fourth down this year and obviously succeeded, they scored 114 points on those drives where they converted a fourth down. That's the most of any team this century. Like, they just don't hold back. They're not punting. If they're getting on the other side of the field and they're anywhere inside the 40 and it's less than fourth and seven, they're probably going for it. You know, if they're on their own, if they're on the KC 48 and it's fourth and 10, probably punting. If they're on the 45 and it's fourth and five, they're going for it. Like, this team just doesn't, and that's, and that's like the new wave. But Nick Sirianni, the Eagles head coach, just does it more than everybody else. He does not care. And I love that type of coaching. I hate coaches who play conservative and punt from the other team's 35 and play the field position game. So boring. So boring. And the win probability just goes right out the window when you do shit like that. Take chances. Go forward on fourth down. Do trick plays. We need to see that more often. And there are too many conservative coaches in the NFL. Nick Sirianni, not one of them. 114 points on drives where they converted a fourth down conversion, and that's the most of any team this century. I mean, that's pretty incredible. So, again, we will wrap it up tomorrow with more Super Bowl talk as we head into the weekend. It'll be the last podcast before the Super Bowl. Hopefully I have some more stats for you, but uh, those are some big ones. And Philadelphia, one of the best rushing teams in the NFL this year, and Kansas City just doesn't. I mean, these are almost polar opposites. Philadelphia wants to run the ball down your throat, and Kansas City wants to throw the ball 45 to 50 times a game and get Patrick Mahomes into the 300 to 350 yard a game area. And, you know, it really usually comes down to who can run the ball better. So, look, I want Philly to win. You know my bet. Who knows if they will. I'm hoping for it, but we will see how this plays out. I still think it's going to be a great game. I think this is going to be a game that goes into the fourth quarter, a one-score game either way, and either team will have a chance to pull it out. I just, I'd just, i be really surprised at a blowout either way of this game. I just don't I, I don't see it. And, um, and I'm talking like 17-point win or something like that because a 14-point game could, you know, a late score could cut that to seven and stuff like that. So I don't even see it that much. But, you know, what do I know? You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. But, yeah, we'll have some more uh, Super Bowl talk tomorrow to end the week. But thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated to get up in the rankings on stuff like this. I need ratings. I need reviews. So I would really appreciate it if you left a five-star review for this. It certainly helps the podcast. But uh, thank you again for listening, as always. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!